Welcome to day 152 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today are Job, chapters 4 through 6. Here are some thoughts to guide your reading for today. The bulk of the book of Job contains speeches from Job's three friends with responses from Job. Each friend speaks and then Job responds. This cycle happens three complete times. In the speeches, the friends present popular explanations for Job's suffering and recommendations for his restoration. Chapters 4 and 5 contain the speech of Eliphaz. He's often categorized by scholars as the mystic in the group because of a vision he has in chapter 5. Eliphaz's first speech is rather gentle in tone, especially considering that Job had just poured out his pain and expressed his wish to die. In the first section of the speech, chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, Eliphaz politely asks Job if their friends can speak to him. The speech opens with compliments about Job's former life. Job instructed many people, strengthened feebled hands, raised up those who stumbled, and strengthened faltering knees. Job has always been a help to others, and now Eliphaz and his friends just really want to help Job too. However, the resources for Job's recovery are all around, believes Eliphaz, if Job would just look for them. In verses 7 through 11, Eliphaz takes up the issue of divine retribution. He asks Job to consider the general truism of wisdom theology. People reap what they sow. God punishes the wicked and blesses the righteous. This has been the primary perspective of the Old Testament as we've read it so far. The deuterohistoric tradition largely narrated the era of the kings through this kind of lens. If the king was righteous, then good things happened. But if the king was wicked, God brought judgment upon the people. Verses 12 through 21 tell of a divine visitation that Eliphaz experienced. He saw a supernatural being that frightened him and showed him the great gulf between God and humanity. In essence, the message of Eliphaz's dream was to state that there's this giant gap between us and God. God is transcendent and all-knowing. We are temporal, frail, and our knowledge is limited. So who are we to question God's ways? The vision of Eliphaz functions a little bit like a God trump card in the conversation between people. How in the world can God possibly argue with Eliphaz now that he has invoked God's name and even invoked a divine vision or revelation? Eliphaz is that friend that comes to you and says, God told me dot dot dot. Whether or not that person generally heard from God or not, the invoking of God's name immediately shuts down the possibility of conversation. In chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, Eliphaz asks Job where he plans to seek help. He then lays out the consequences of not going to the right source. If he were in Job's situation, he would commit his case to God because God is able to help the needy. Then in verses 8 through 16, Eliphaz continues to push Job to simply seek God. God is the great rescuer. God has rescued Eliphaz before, and surely God will rescue Job too. In this section, Eliphaz acts like that friend who read a great book that really helped them and wants to give it to you and is sure that if you will just read it, it will help you also. The first speech ends in verses 17 through 27 with Eliphaz's assurance to Job that God uses all kinds of calamities and difficult circumstances to discipline his people. It just must be the case that God's using Job's circumstances not only to evoke Job's repentance, but to teach Job a lesson. In summary, this first speech from Eliphaz is interested in laying out the basic principles of the Old Testament wisdom tradition. We might summarize those principles this way. First, 
God created the world with a built-in system of morality. The righteous are rewarded and the wicked are punished. Second, no one is completely pure in comparison to God. Therefore, everyone should expect to receive some suffering in this life as punishment for their sins. Third, people in difficult circumstances should simply turn to God for help and answers. God can work miracles and reverse the fortunes of those who are suffering because he is sovereign over all creation. And fourth, God disciplines his creatures for their good. We should receive the short-term pain that God gives to us in return for the long-term blessing of a strong character. At a basic level, nothing Eliphaz says to Job is wrong. These are generally true biblical principles. I've preached on them. However, his speech seems very uncompassionate and perhaps even cruel when presented to a person who's just lost their livelihood, their children, their health, and their dignity. Initially, it seems that Eliphaz is more interested in laying out the principles of wisdom and getting Job's situation fixed than in comforting a friend with a broken spirit. Chapter 6 is the first part of Job's response. We'll return to it in greater detail tomorrow, but it's clear that, at least initially, Job and Eliphaz are operating out of two completely different universes. It's hard for Job to move to analyze the principles of the moral life because in the moment, Job's suffering just seems utterly meaningless. The tone of the dialogue will now begin to heat up a bit. Job feels utterly alone and frustrated and helpless against what feels to Job like God's decision to just destroy him. Job accuses his friends of hypocrisy and just adding to his suffering. He wants them to listen to his pain. My wife likes to use a phrase with me. She'll say, honey, read the room. What she means by that is sometimes I find myself telling stories or pontificating about things that nobody at the table really wants to hear. I'll tell a funny story when everyone is sad, or I'll tell a sad story when everyone is trying to be funny. She's trying to help me learn to read the atmosphere better, read the room. The things Eliphaz says in his first speech may be simplistic, but they're largely true. But perhaps what we learn most from his speech is his failure to read the room. Job needed pity, not principles. That a warm embrace and not a lecture complete with a PowerPoint presentation and three action steps for him to take. The invitation from the text today is not to understand suffering as much as to be willing to be present to those who suffer. So read this opening poetic dialogue carefully, looking for things God wants to say to you through it. Journal your thoughts, prayers, and questions, and then look for ways to be present to a friend in pain today. Tomorrow, we're reading chapters 7 through 9. I'll talk to you tomorrow.